Hey friends, welcome to episode seven of the Learning to Preach podcast. In this podcast, we want to talk about delivery. We want to talk about when you're standing up there in front of a congregation preaching a sermon. And we want to get, talk about five best practices for delivery. Delivery is one of those things that doesn't matter quite as much as your outline, as your textual work. I mean, you want to have a good sermon put together. Delivery is a place where there's lots of room to grow and where you're going to grow over time as you preach more. It's one of those places where you kind of just need reps. And so the more you preach, the better you're going to get at this. But there are some best practices that are just helpful to have in mind, whether you're preaching your very first sermon, whether you're trying to get your 100th sermon under your belt, or whether you're just trying to continue to grow in your delivery. So let me give you these five best practices and talk about them with the crew here. Number one, this one's pretty obvious, but it's worth saying, be yourself. Uh, What I mean here is two things. One, you have your own voice in preaching. Use your voice. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to preach like somebody else. Figure out who you are. And also, leverage the things that you do well. Uh, Some guys tell stories really well. Some guys are very logical and linear. Uh, Some preachers have a really great capacity to relate to the room. Whatever it is you do well, be yourself in the pulpit. What people want to feel is that you're sort of like I would, sort of like you would be in a conversation, just maybe with a higher measure of authority and clarity. Um, you want to play to your own strengths and make sure that you're being yourself in the pulpit rather than someone else. That's an easy thing to say and a little harder thing to put flesh on. So I think as we process it together in a few minutes, it'll help to have these guys talk about how that's worked out in their own journeys. Uh, second, best practice: preach, don't teach. The point is, this goes back to what we were saying a few episodes ago about having a pastoral burden, having something you long to see God do. Uh, I see a lot of preachers who basically get up there and teach. They they do a good lecture, a good Sunday school lesson, a good classroom delivery, Um, but that's not preaching. Preaching aims for the Holy Spirit to accomplish something. Preaching aims at worship. Preaching is focused at people having an, an encounter with God in the moment. And so when you are in the, ser- in, in the pulpit preaching a sermon, you want to make sure that your tone and your ethos and how you carry yourself as a communicator fits the role of preaching and not just teaching. Again, we'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, third, inhabit the tradition. Here's what I mean. The best thing you have as a novice preacher who haven't done this very much is you have a tradition. A tradition called preaching, a tradition that goes back centuries and millennia. And what you have freedom to do is just sort of learn to inhabit that tradition. In other words, there's a cadence preachers use. There's a way preachers tend to talk. There's a way of explaining a text and talking about the Bible. You can go watch YouTube videos of good preachers or bad preachers or average preachers. The point is, there's a tradition here that the people of God generally expect. And so you can sort of find comfort in inhabiting that tradition. You don't need to be awesome. You don't need to be the best best preacher ever. There's something you can lean back into. And again, here's the analogy I would use. I got this from uh, Alistair McIntyre. He says there's there's this in in lots of disciplines, right? Think about art. Think about playwriting. Think about sports. Uh, All of these things have a tradition. When I was teaching my sons to play baseball and to learn how to pitch, the beautiful thing is there's sort of a standard accepted practice for how pitchers do that. Each one puts their own spin on it, but there's a basic tradition that every baseball pitcher has to learn to inhabit. Some basic mechanics they need to get down, a basic sort of history that they're standing in, and that tradition is what allows you to have a little bit of freedom and grace 
as you learn. So if you're a novice preacher, the good news is you're inhabiting a tradition. Just settle into that. Learn to, to use the language that preachers use. Talk about the scriptures in the way preachers talk about. There's, there's a thing called preaching, and that's the craft you're learning to do. So inhabit that tradition and let it give you some peace. Uh, here's the fourth thing, best practice. When you are delivering, uh, minimize distractions. And I'm thinking here um, about two kinds of distractions. One would be visual distractions, um, things that sort of are distracting. This could be, uh, you know, I tease guys sometimes who preach a day, like, you got to, sorry, I'm throwing things. You got to dress a certain way, meaning I don't want you wearing a, a, a t shirt or cut off jeans in the pulpit. You, the, you need to dress respectively in a way that whatever context you're preaching, the people would be like, oh, someone who's communicating the word of God would wear that. It doesn't have to be a suit and tie unless that's tradition that you're in. In some traditions, that's what it needs to be. But the point is, don't let your appearance be distracting. Uh, the other thing I think is like sometimes I watch guys preach and their pockets are full of stuff. I can tell they got an iPhone in one pocket and they got a whole jangle of keys in the other pocket. Just, all I can see is all the stuff sticking out of all their pockets. It's very distracting. There are things like that that just for certain people in the congregation, they're just going to take away focus and attention from your sermon. Basically, you want to be as plain as possible so that the sermon can have as much life as possible. And when I say plain, in a good way. I don't mean be vanilla, but I mean... Don't have distracting uh, things about your appearance and sort of how you're carrying yourself. The other thing that can become distracting and that you have to pay a little bit of attention to is things you do without thinking about it. Uh, you scratch your nose, you say um a lot. There's always something for every one of us that's sort of like a nervous habit that we have and you generally need outside feedback in order to see it. One of the early sermons I preached as a young preacher, uh, I went in for the preaching meeting after the sermon my dad, who was the lead pastor at the time, looked at me. He said, hey, you said um 57 times in that sermon. I was like, you were counting. He's like, yep, I was counting. Because after the, after the fourth one, I realized, oh, this is going to be pretty distracting. So I just started counting. He offered that to me in love. It was not a knock. It was not a critique. It was just a, hey, this is distracting for some people. You need to know that you do it, and you need to start paying attention to how to minimize that kind of distraction. Um, one thing I've teased Justin about in the past is he used to have a water bottle with him in the pulpit and drink out of it. And it's, it's understandable because your mouth gets dry as you preach. But after a while, that can become distracting because I start anticipating every time you're going to reach for it and how long we're going to have to wait for you to start talking again. And so I finally said, hey, if we, can, if we can take that out, can we take that out? If you need it, if you feel like, man, I'm going to like get cotton mouth if I don't have it, that's different. Or if you have a cold, but if that just becomes sort of something you do as a regular practice, see if you can preach a sermon without that because it helps to just not have that distraction. So it's not always something that's bad or something that's negative. It could just be something that is a practice you can cut out and it can minimize distractions. Um, here's a final one um, that some people don't think about, but that I think is important. Realize that non-verbally speaking, you're a mirror image of your congregation, so you have to work right to left. Here's what I mean. I don't know if this works on camera the same. You guys that run cameras can tell me. But when you're in front of a congregation, in the congregation's mind to the person who's looking at me, earlier is over here if I'm doing a timeline, and later is over here. But if I'm me, that's backwards, right? I would say, if I'm doing a timeline looking this way, I would say, Abraham is over here and Jesus is over here. So the earlier point is always with my left hand, and the later point is always with my right hand. And because we're intuitively used to speaking with our hands, that's how we tend to do things. When I'm facing an audience, I have to reverse that so that earlier is with my right hand, later in the timeline is with my left hand. Or if you're trying to uh, emphasize your points 
visually and say point one is over here, point three is over here. You have to remember that your audience is a mirror image of you and so you've got to sort of do it backwards. It becomes natural. I do it now without thinking about it, but I always notice when I'm watching a new preacher because they'll say, in the timeline of biblical history, and they'll work this way, and it looks backwards to everybody in the congregation because they're not thinking about the fact that my mind is on the opposite side of the camera, and it works the opposite way. Okay, so that's one of those things where I always want to help preachers get used to working right to left. If you're building a timeline, if you're trying to show a logical flow, if you're trying to say the first thing is over here and the last thing is over here, you've got to work backwards until it becomes intuitive. It's, again, one of those things that no one really thinks about, but it can be a really distracting thing, especially for people who are attuned to that. Now remember, in delivery, these are not right, wrong, good, bad. You're a great preacher if you do this. You're a bad preacher if you don't. These are just things we're trying to minimize every possible distraction so that what comes through is the content and so that people can meaningfully engage uh, in, our, in our sermon. Um, these are my five best practices. I'm sure there's 15 more that we could throw up here. There's all kinds of things you can always tweak in your delivery. But these are five to start with, that if you get these five down, if you learn how to be yourself in the pulpit, if you develop a cadence that sounds like preaching, not teaching, if it's clear that you're inhabiting a tradition and that you understand you're standing in this tradition of preaching and so you're trying to be faithful to that tradition, if you minimize distractions as best you can and try to get good feedback from people you trust on what those might be for you, and if you work right to left, in general, these are basic things that will help your delivery and help people feel like they're drawn into what you're doing in the pulpit. Uh, thoughts on either of these five or what's, what should be up here? Because this is my list, and so you guys might have one or two that I haven't even thought of. I think be yourself has been the hardest for me as a young preacher, um, partially because myself isn't actually a good preacher. So... <laughs> Being myself is probably not always the best thing to be. Uh, so you need to inhabit the tradition a little more, lean into that. Yeah, well, I think your encouragement's always been, I'm just, especially in my delivery, typically kind of monotone or even just sort of... Uh, You're a calm person. Academic, yeah, overly calm. <laughs> Sometimes there needs to be a lot more energy and punch. So I think whether that's volume, whether that's uh, creating a little bit more higher highs and lows throughout the sermon, that's just something I'm not, that's not going to be myself. So I've had to really lean into the feedback, also just ask the Lord to give me that and sort of have enough time with my sermon and reflecting through it on where do those spots need to be and where do I actually, where is it going to feel like I'm actually having to force myself to do something that's not natural and just have to mm. practice that in a way. So You know what you made me think of as you were saying that is a good sort of metaphor here is a, a show like The Voice or American Idol where a coach is trying to help someone figure out, hey, what do you do well as a singer? We're all singing. That's the tradition. The tradition is singing songs. But man, hey, you have a really good skill in this area. Lean into that. And hey, you're not as good in this area. Lean away from that. As you watch people coach people in something like singing, which is very similar to preaching, you're using your voice to try to do something dynamic, but that has to be you and how you would be dynamic. That can be really helpful to, to begin to try to apply that metaphor to preaching and say, okay, what is my voice, what would I need to be like as a preacher to feel both forceful and authoritative, but also natural? Yeah. I also think you have to, to some ways, you have to try on other people's voices yep. a little bit to figure out which one kind of fits you, almost just to some sense, lean on the tradition that yes. there is. There's a whole body of preachers over decades that we can listen to and watch, and and hopefully if you get enough reps, you can start to wean out, all right, what, what works for me, what doesn't, and sort of start to form a, a new sense of self in the, in the pulpit. Yeah, and you're right, that first one's the hardest one. Yeah, I think that's why practice is so helpful, just like reps. I don't get to preach, nor have I preached a lot, but even just the discipline of like running through the sermon like live, mm -hmm. and with mm -hmm. like some of our staff we've done in the past, or even just 
my wife or just myself in a mirror, not so I can manipulate how something's going to sound or I can steal how somebody else says something, uh, but more so so I can inhabit the material, then like I, that lends itself to actually be like for me to be more of myself. Like when I'm saying it's like, especially a story or an illustration or a main point, like, cause I know this. And so it's actually just going to come out from mm -hmm. Ryan saying it rather than, Hey, I'm reading it off the page, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think along that same line, being yourself, I think is always challenging, uh, in part because uh, you're always in process. Mm -hmm. Like the self you bring to the pulpit, uh, your first sermon is different than the self you bring to the pulpit, the 100 sermon, because yeah. you're more sanctified, you've had more experience, you're growing, you're developing. But uh, in some sense, it's just becoming comfortable in your own skin. Uh, and in part is um, even being okay with your idiosyncrasies. One of the things that I struggled with early on in preaching is trying to get rid of that gesture that I always do or my way of speaking. People always give me a hard time of speaking in one-liners and having axioms and <laughs> using alliteration and all that kind of stuff. And for a long time, I just tried to cut that out. And I realized, oh, that's actually part of who I am. That's a part of who I'm wired. And if I can lean into that in a way that's healthy, it endears people to me in a way that allows me, gives me a greater sense of trust and credibility. And one that I think I would add that... Um, is really important just to keep in mind is being able to relax and trust God with your sermon. Mm. I think uh, one of my big mistakes is, uh, big struggles is performancism and perfection. And I feel like if I can't say this perfectly, I'm doing a disservice to God's people and I'm discrediting God himself. Uh, and so there, I, I would walk into the pulpit with all kinds of pressure um, and all kinds of anxiety because out of fear that I was going to somehow screw it up and prevent people from coming to know the Lord or growing Him. And uh, we were joking off camera a while ago about how preaching is like baseball. In baseball, a 250 or a batting average of 250 is really good. Yeah, and that's only hitting. One out of four times. Yeah, that's one out of four is a good at bat. And I find that if I can just keep that in the back of my mind of, hey man, if I'm doing. One out of four, one out of five is a really good sermon, and the rest are just being faithful. I can trust God with all of that. That's good. Two things come to mind for me, and this first one's kind of off the be yourself, but in the, the way it phrases in my mind is know your role. So when I think about delivery, the first time I preached at Cormdale, I was a small group leader. The next time I preached, I was an intern. A couple years later, I was a deacon. A couple years after that, I was serving in the office of an elder. Each one of those roles has a different voice to it. Yeah. And I think in terms of delivery, that matters. Um, if you are, although you want to listen to other voices, if you're, if you're an intern and you're trying to mimic the authority of your lead pastor, it's going to come across awkwardly, I think, to uh, a lot of people. Yeah. So that's one thing, know your role. And the other thing, too, is I just, you know, we... Uh, have always been able to, we've had the luxury of being able to film our sermons and watch them. And, and it's one of the best ways that I've found to be able to pick up on distractions is just being aware that you're probably your own worst critic. Yeah. And sometimes you just got to watch yourself and figure out what irritates you about yourself um, to, to just know what needs to get taken out. Yeah. You know, that's good. That's good. All right. So here's five best practices. I don't know that the best five are the only five. There are five that I hope you find helpful as you continue to develop your voice in preaching. In the next episode, we're going to talk about how to preach 
missionally? How do you preach evangelistically in a way that connects with your city and that draws in people who aren't there yet, but who you might hope will be there in the future? We'll talk about that in the next episode.